0: Hey everyone, welcome to Emmanuel Fellowship's podcast. This is Pastor Trent, the founding pastor of Emmanuel Fellowship, a church in South Minneapolis that exists to serve our city and to live for God's glory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We pray that this message encourages you to follow Jesus and to see his presence and power everywhere in your life. But we actually need to be inspired to do mission. Like that's to be something inside you that says, like I actually want to see people come to faith. That has to be a desire in you that says, like, no, like, I have a longing to, like, serve God and, like, live for Him. And that longing usually comes from somebody actually being changed by the gospel themselves, right? Which sort of brings me to my main point of today is, like, like, if you want to live, like, before you can live on mission, the gospel has to change you inwardly, right? And so, and so a definition, a quick definition of mission is this. Like, the gospel which came to me now continues on to other people through me, right? So, like, So before you can actually, like, preach the gospel or something, you have to be changed first. Then you can evangelize. Then you can actually disciple others. Then you can actually, like, encourage people uh, in the faith. And sort of my hope today um, is that we can be encouraged by the prophet Isaiah's journey. Like, because he was a man who was actually confronted with the struggles of mission, like, literally. Um, But he endured because of the gospel, Right. and ultimately changed him on the inside to a point where he could faithfully answer God's call, like with enjoyment and with excitement. Um, so he's, something that, he's somebody that I want us to actually learn from today. And so I want to walk you through um, Isaiah's vision, moment by moment. So he has this throne moment, you know, he has this, um, this altar moment, he has this woe is me moment, um, and he has this sort of send me moment. And so each one of these moments sort of inspires us in like a unique way to sort of live on mission. Um, I want to start with this, this throne room experience. And so like many prophets, like Isaiah, he was chosen by God. Uh, he was called to speak to God, like on, uh, speak to Israel on behalf of God. And so as we open into this scene, um, we see God speaking to him. But he's not just speaking to him, he's like revealing himself to him in like all of his glory. Um, and so in this first verse, it says, In the year, King, in the, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, Seated on a throne, and the chain of his room filled the temple. Right, let's just stop right there for a second. Like, can you imagine just how massive and big God must have been if His like whole robe is like filling an entire temple? Like from the jump, we see that God is huge. <laughs> He's big, and Isaiah is like this small little guy. But um, well, let's continue. He says, "Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Uh, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet." And with the other two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, if you're like sort of this Bible nerd like me, you're probably saying to yourself, like, I've heard of cherubim, <laughs> but I've never heard of seraphim. That's because seraphim, this is the first time in the Bible that, and the only time that seraphim is used in the Bible. And the only difference between these, these two, seraphim and cherubim, is that, one, the seraphim, is, the only job is to praise and worship God. Cherubim, their main job is just to actually help God do the work that he's called to do. That's so, why, like, if you remember in Genesis, it's actually the cherubim who are guarding the entrance to the Garden of Eden after the fall. Um, but it's interesting. like We have these two sort of incredible heavenly creatures, beings, right? But their only purpose in life is to serve God in some way, some some form to praise them in some way, shape or form. And they're actually really excited about it. Right? You see these seraphim shouting at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, um, and the earth is filled with his glory. Now, I don't know if we had Emmanuel have that kind of worship, where like, the temple is shaking, but like, maybe that's something <laughs> that we can sort of aspire to. <laughs> but, um, but you can only imagine what's going through Isaiah's mind, right? He's like, if I had to guess at something like, wow, Lord, you're, like, you're actually a lot bigger in person. Like Usually <laughs> my thoughts to you are like really small. Um, usually like I sort of question your power um, because of the things I see in life or my own life. Uh, but now he like actually was confronted with the Lord and actually could see that you no, know, God's actually a big, big deal. To the point like we see these seraphim like, covering their faces, like, even as they're worshiping. And these seraphim are holy. And so my question to you, church, is like, like what comes to your mind like, when you think about God. Like, it's probably not sort of Isaiah's vision. I think, like, a lot of, of us, like, we don't really know what to think about God. For many of us, it's like, he's a sort of blurry. Like, his godness is sort of like, you know, I don't know, mythical or whatever. Um, I think one of the reasons like we're, why we're challenged to do a mission is because we actually haven't had sort of a heavenly sort of experience of God. Right? So, for example, like, it's hard to see God if you actually haven't in some way spent time with him. Like if you haven't seen God in his word. Or if you haven't seen God through people who are a direct like reflection of him. For example, like I know I don't know about you, but some of the times where I'm most inspired is when I'm in my gospel community groups. Like when I see God moving in those groups, I see him like speaking to me through my fellow brothers and sisters, or I see him like freaking Helping people like break through strongholds, or I see, um, you know, him helping people like get healed through addictions and wounds. Like that's inspiring to me. Like that's when I really see that you know, that this whole Christian thing is real. Like God is actually real, and, and like there's actually a purpose to all this. Um, and so I'm motivated. Well, not motivated, but I'm inspired um, to live for Him. And so Isaiah, once he once he saw the real God. His whole like perspective of him changed. Um, he was now like inspired inwardly to like move towards gospel, move towards the gospel and mission work, and not just to live for himself. I sort of compare it to like, you know, the, a climber uh, who stands at the base of Mount Everest for like the first time. Like, sure, he's seen Mount Everest like in in pictures or on TV, but when he stands at that base for the first time, now he's like confronted with like, wow, all the glory of it, the bigness of it. And now he's, like, super inspired to actually climb this thing. Um, And he has sort of this more respect for it. Um, And that's what happened to Isaiah. Like, he saw the Lord, and now he has, like, this reverence and this respect for him that he never had before. Um, And so church, my my next question is, like, have you actually had a throne room experience? To the point where you said, like, I actually want to see God, like, know God for myself. Not because someone told me to, but I just want to know him like, all, right? Um, like, I want to know his glory. I want to I search him. I want to see him. And not with a lens of, like, I want to sort of judge him, or, but from a, a lens of, I just want to see your beauty. I just want to know you for myself. Um, and so unless you see God, uh, the real God, um, you're going to sort of settle for, like, motivation over inspiration. And motivation says, like, yeah, I'm going to serve God even though I don't really know anything about him. Well, I don't really know anything about his ways or his will. I'm just going to just go with the motions. My inspiration says, no, I've, I've seen the Lord. I think he's amazing. He's changed my life. And now I want to live for his glory. Right? And so it's clear that Isaiah had this sort of inspiring image of God. right? But it really wasn't enough for him to actually propel him into ministry just yet. right? Like he's seen God in all his glory. He saw his greatness. He saw his bigness. But at the same time, he was also confronted with the reality that he didn't live up to that glory that he was saying. Right? He was looking at this holy God who now expected um, that same holiness from the people he served. And Isaiah didn't have that. That's why he says this. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. So after seeing God for the first time, Isaiah's first words are like, woe to me, I am ruined. Like, why does he say that? Like, why isn't it something like, you know, I hit the jackpot? Like, I'm, I'm chilling with God right now in all his awesomeness. Um, no, he says, I'm ruined. And when those seraphim were, were started shouting, holy, 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 um, is the Lord Almighty, the Lord, the earth is filled with glory, that was a sign to everyone who heard, who could listen, that God is on a different level. Right? Holy in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for holy means kodesh, uh, which means otherness separateness, sacredness. And that's exactly what Isaiah was seeing right now. He saw a purity that he had never seen in his life. He saw a righteousness that he had never seen before. And it sort of like shook him, and he was taken aback by it. But also remember, Isaiah was a prophet, so he knew God's law very well, uh, right? And so he, he's, he knew immediately that like, he wasn't measuring up to this glory that he was seeing. And so all those times in the past that he was sort of like offered sacrifices for his sin, now it was coming clear why he had to do that. Like he was seeing the Lord, and like, oh, that's why I we we have to, you know, offer these all these sacrifices. And so the only thing that's left for him to do was to just confess his sins. Um, and inspiration, you know, it comes in many forms, and sometimes it's like not always pretty. And here Isaiah had to see his true self before he could actually um, have the motivation, on, the inspiration to live on a mission for the Lord. And so in the same way, the presence of God actually shows us our true selves as well, right? So if you're a person that believes that, that you actually measure up to God's glory, um, you're going to be crushed when you find out that's, like, that you can't. Or if you're someone who just wants to, um, you know, live for God, perform for God and earn his approval, um, you're just going to keep tiring yourself out because it's not something that you can ever achieve. And so when you see God up close, the real one for the first time, Um, It just shows you that you don't measure up to his glory, which is actually a a good thing, an inspiring thing, because it shows you the reverence um, that you should have for him. But we can't just sort of see our own brokenness. We also have to see the brokenness of the people around us, right? And so this is why Isaiah says in the next verse, when that whole verse says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen... um, the King, the Lord Almighty. And so Isaiah, after he saw his brokenness, he also saw, like, man, my fellow people are broken as well. Like, and this was a man who was like a leader in his community. right? He cared for these people. Like, um, he identified with them. And so it was impossible for him just to only think about himself or worry about himself because he loved his, his people. And he was also a man that had seen you know, king struggle. He had seen like open rebellion towards God. He had seen corruption in the streets. He had seen a lot, so he knew what was actually at stake for his people. Like, so he opens up Isaiah, he says this Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness, but rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. So, church, if you really want to be inspired to live for God, to go out and serve Him, um, you got to realize you got to see not just the sin, but the brokenness of others. Like, there has to be something inside you that says, like, you know, I'm not the only one who's broken. Like, there's people in this city, there's people, like, in this world that need Jesus just as much as I do, right? Um, we can't sort of just be this sort of people that live in this fog where everything's all right, or, like, my, my life is the only one that matters. I compare it to, like, you know, we basically can't live, like, um, the person in that meme. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme where it's, like, the person swinging on the swing, and it's like there's a house burning down behind him, right? <laughs> and he's just chilling and everything, like, everything's fine. Like, that can't be us as believers, right? We have to be the people that sort of put out these fires um, and serve the Lord. And so unless you see, like, your own brokenness um, and the brokenness of others, you're going to settle for, like, inspiration. You're going to settle for motivation over inspiration, right? Motivation says, yeah, I'll obey God," God, even if I'm not really sure if his ways are true or even if I don't think I'm that bad. But inspiration says... God's ways are holy, and that's actually how I want to live, and that's how I want my fellow people to live, right? But we have this sort of, like, million-dollar question right, that most people ask when it comes to ministry. It's like, how can I serve God if I'm a sinner? Like, how can I help others if I'm sort of jacked up myself? And that's probably what Isaiah was wondering, too, you know, when he saw his sin and the sin of his people. He was probably, he was filled with dread. He was like, man, what can I do? Well, thankfully, that's not... Where this story ends, it's not where your story ends. Because so look what, look what this, verse, this next verse says. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So in that earlier verse, right, Isaiah is like slowly lamenting the fact that his mouth has made him unclean. He has these unclean lips. But sort of in this crazy reversal of fortunes, you know, now this hair friend's coming up, and he drops coal on his mouth, and now his whole guilt is taken away. And sort of, in a dramatic way, God's saying, yeah, I, I know your mouth has made you unclean, but now you're forgiven. And I think for, like, a lot of us Christians, we sort of just, like, develop this imposter syndrome when it comes to ministry. And if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's like, it's a psychological, like, pattern of thinking where we feel like ours, we, we start to doubt our skills and ability to the point where we're like, we fear we're going to be seen as frauds in front of people. It actually happens to a lot of people in like corporate America or people in high-stress jobs, and it happens to me like all the time, right? It's sort of this idea that, that my past sins are going to expose me as a fraud when I sort of get into ministry. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? You can have confidence in yourself and know that, no. Like I'm a child of the king. Like I'm a believer in God and you know I can I can serve the Lord faithfully, right? Um, not in sort of this like an arrogant way, but like in a confidence way, like no, like I'm a I'm a child of the king and like my sins have been washed away. Um just like Isaiah's. Um I can do the things that God calls called me to do. Um and so like one of the things that I sort of had to repent of when I first came to faith was like you know, just sort of like pride and like this foolish speaking, right? I'm still repentant of that today. Um, but back in the day, I was sort of known for being, you know, someone who, you know, really thought highly of themselves was all that. And I would say like a lot of inappropriate things. And I was kind of like that jokester kind of do. And so when I finally came to faith and started to share my faith with people, it was really awkward. <laughs> like <laughs> trying to tell people, you know, who I was now, you know, that I love Jesus. And they're like, I don't really remember that. But, um, and so there was this temptation of just like, you know, wanting to like revert back to my old ways and so I can fit in. But when you have this sort of identity in Christ now, you don't have to live for people's approval anymore. You can live for Christ. And so when you know what the power of God has done for you, then you can live on a mission for the Lord, even though there may be people in the background condemning you or, or just, you know, saying everything, negative things about you. There's a freedom. When you know what the power of God can do for you, um, so my question to you, Church, is like, like, what are your flaws that can most be seen? Like, if you were standing in the throne room of God, would you say that your lips are unclean? Or would you say your mind is unclean? Would you say your eyes are unclean? Would you say your body is unclean? Would you say your heart is unclean? And Church, I just want to let you know today, like, the throne room is still open. Like, it, it's not closed. Like, God can take tongs from the altar and put that coal on any sin that you bring to him, right? Like, there's, he sees all, he redeems all, and he can bring atonement for you if you let him. But it all starts with just knowing that, no, there's this power. The power of God can actually forgive you, right? Motivation, like, it's only going to start you on the path to mission, right? But, in, but once you start stumbling, once you start, you know, getting, when, it, when it gets messy, then you're going to feel like, like, I'm not called to this anymore, but my inspiration says, like, no. Like, even if I stumble, I know the cross. I'm forgiven in the cross. and I can actually now have the strength to endure and serve the Lord, even though, you know, I'm inadequate, even though I know I'm broken, right? Um, and So, church, like, are you inspired yet to sort of live for the Lord? Are you, are you inspired to, like, answer the call that God has on for your life? Like, Isaiah was inspired. And he was, he was super inspired to answer that call. That's why he says some of the most famous words in all of Scripture. Like, read that next verse, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And so at this point, God was no longer a concept for Isaiah. It wasn't just these thoughts. He was actually a reality for him. Like, he came into that throne room, like, not knowing who Yah- Yahweh really was. He came to that throne room not knowing who he was. He came to that throne room not knowing what the power of God was. But he left with an identity. No, I'm chosen, I'm forgiven child of God who actually has a calling on my life, a specific one that the Lord has for me, right? Now, he wasn't living for God anymore just you know, out of fear or guilt or pressure. No, he was inspired by the Lord um, because of the vision that he saw, like his literal vision of God, but also the vision that God had um, for the life and for his people. Obviously, to the point where he could say, you know, like, faithfully and honestly, here I am, Lord, send me. I saw the kids would say today, like, Isaiah understood the assignment, right? Like, he, <laughs> like he, he met with the Lord of hosts, um, and he realized that his atonement um, came with an assignment. Um, okay. But now you might be saying to yourself, like, yeah, that's Isaiah. He's his prophet. He's this godly man. Like, I can't do that. But Church, I want you to know that, well, I want to tell you that there's good news for you. Like, God actually wants you to be more inspired about mission than even Isaiah was, right? Because he actually came down off his throne for you. Like, Jesus actually came down um, to the world to actually live on mission. The Scriptures actually said that it actually brought him joy um, to do that. Like, Jesus actually inspired to see us, you and me, um, transformed. Into his image, and so now he wants us to be excited about that same work for other people. Jesus is actually the better Isaiah. Like Jesus says to you, you know, I'll wash away your sins so that you can serve me in freedom. So so you don't have to live, so you don't have to serve me to gain approval, right? Jesus says, like, I'll be with you always, so that you'll never be alone in whatever task or whatever calling I have for you. I'm with you. Jesus says, I'll send you the Comforter who will give you the word to say. Um, whenever you have to actually share the gospel with people. You have the Holy Spirit in you that actually will be there to help you. And so Jesus is actually the one that sort of inspires us for mission. He gives us that courage, that power to actually say, no, I'm, I can do this. This is actually what I'm called to do. This is actually what I want to do. This is actually um, a beautiful and a good thing. And now God says, I want you to give Jesus to somebody else, right? Like, there's somebody else who feels like they're ruined, I want you to go out there and help them, right? I want you to, to seek justice, right? To defend the, the oppressed, right? I want you to take up the cause of the, of the fatherless, to plead the case of the widow. I want you to go out to the highways and to the heavens um, to compel them to come to my house so they may be filled. And I want you to tell people to repent for the kingdom of God is that near. That, church, is the calling of the Christian. Um, and hope it's an inspiring one for all of us. Church, I want to just close this out in prayer right now. Lord, we've heard a lot about your glory today. You've um, seen a lot of it um, in the life of Isaiah. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we would see it in our lives. Father, we pray that you would meet us in our lives, whether in our community groups, on the streets, or in our prayer time. Lord, we pray that you would meet us Lord, and help us to see your glory, so so that we can be changed inwardly, Lord, and have the courage and the power um, to live outwardly on mission. And Father, we pray that you would do that for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.